Welcome to the Climate Chronicles podcast by SkySpecs, the show where we explore the latest wind and renewable energy trends, industry expertise, and best practices that can help us deliver the most efficient energy generation in the world. Let's jump into the latest episode. Welcome once again to SkySpecs Climate Chronicles podcast, where we explore some of today's biggest issues facing the renewable energy industry. I'm Sarah Lights, Head of Marketing here at SkySpecs. My co-host is our CRO, Josh Goral, and our guest for today is Pragna Shashidar, who is the Senior Wind Blade Engineer at NG North America. Welcome, Pragna. Hi. All right. So, Pragna, I don't know. I think you've heard a couple of our podcasts, and you're probably familiar that we like to start off with just some of the getting to know you questions, and we've been changing it up and, and doing some different ones. So, for this intro question, um, what is your non-work-related topic that you could give a presentation on with no preparation that you just like know a ton, a ton about? Um, probably travel topics, travel-related yeah. topics, like different destinations for different types of travelers, or I don't know, for a while I was like, I'm going to start a blog, but I never got yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've been you, lucky to be able to go to some cool places. So give me a vacation awesome. idea. Let me know. It's awesome. So if you started a blog, like would it be like tips for traveling on a budget? Would it be like how to pack a, a suitcase? Like anything or anything? Or, yeah. I haven't actually idea through. <laughs> yeah. All of it. I, I do get a lot of questions from friends like, oh, have you been here? What did you do? What did you see? So sometimes it's like, okay, maybe I'll combine it all in a blog. We'll see. Awesome. Future That's years. Awesome. What What are some of your favorite places that you've been? The most recent uh, trip I did pre-pandemic, I guess, um, what was pre-pandemic, was to South Africa with a couple of friends. So that was really fun. Um, and it was actually March 2020 when everything was closing down. So we were wow. lucky to get back with no issues. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that was a really awesome trip. Nice. What is your was your next planned trip? Have you have you thought of that? I am going to Australia. Awesome. Oh, <laughs> in a awesome. month. Oh, that's yes. exciting. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Well, you have to let us know how it goes. Yeah. Definitely. Are you going like all around or um, like where, where in Australia are you going? Uh, kind of sticking to the uh, south eastern quarter, Melbourne, Sydney, Adelaide area for this one, but plenty more to do in Australia. Yeah. Amazing. Is this your first trip to Australia? Yes. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right. One more before we jump into the rest of the questions. Um, what is your all-time favorite beverage? All-time favorite, I don't know, but <laughs> right now, <laughs> right now I've been loving those orange smoothies, the ones with like orange juice, mango, carrot, turmeric, you know, those like yeah. juices sometimes that you get. I've been making or wanting to make those a lot, craving those yummy. recently. So. Yeah. I might just be a vitamin C deficient right now, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but just trying to avoid getting scurvy then. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, Sarah, what about you? What's your favorite? Oh gosh. 
Um, oh man, now, now I like, didn't even think about this at all. I think about like asking the questions. I like a lot of stuff. All time um, right? favorite. It's a lot of all pressure, time. isn't it? That's, that's like a ton of pressure, gosh. I shouldn't have said all time favorite. I should have just said like, what, what are some beverages you like? Um, but right now I've been drinking like ginger turmeric tea. I don't know what it is. You're, like the, the turmeric is, has been like some kind of been really into lately, but like, yeah, I just finished a cup of, of tea before we started. <laughs> I don't know. That's just why I thought of it. I don't know if it's all time favorite, but it's good. What about you, Josh? Uh, I was going to say coffee just because it's yeah. like a daily thing for me. But when you mentioned tea, there's this night, well, I guess it's kind of, it's like a variation of sleepy time tea. Um, but it's from this like off brand that I found on Amazon and it is incredible. And I used to have it most nights. Uh, yeah. We are fresh out now, but it's awesome. We'll have to put that in our, if we have show notes, <laughs> if I yeah, can remember what the name is. <laughs> so Sarah and I are trying to wake up every day and you're trying to, to go to sleep. sleep. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. I don't need something to calm me down. <laughs> Love to have recommended travel spots, recommended beverages. We'll just have to like make links and put it in our we could put it on the blog. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, so to get us started, Pragna, do you wanna maybe just tell us a little bit about yourself and, and kind of your journey to your current role? Yeah, so I started um, in the energy industry, but kind of um, broader than renewables. I started at an OEM in an engineering rotational program. So couldn't really pick one thing uh, straight out of college. So searched for rotational programs. You get to try a little bit of each role before you have to make a commitment. And you also learn a lot of skills that I might not have otherwise gotten. So started there, um, ended up in oil and gas, actually, uh, natural gas engines, reciprocating engines for a few years, um, decided to kind of switch back to renewables because um, I was kind of in renewables at first as well. And then made the move to an owner operator that is primarily self-performing. So did that for two, a little under two years. And then now I'm with Engie, who um, is also an owner operator, but uh, primarily operates with FSAs or LTSAs, which are the service agreements with the OEMs. So kind of worked my way towards the um, operation side and I've been enjoying it. Out of, out of curiosity, what, what was it like kind of coming from oil and gas and are there things that you learned uh, along the way there that you're certain to see maybe renewables adopt or curious to hear about about that that transition? Yeah, so oil and gas is a very mature industry, right? People people know what to do. They have their vendors that they use. They have their procedures in place. Um, so that's quite a switch uh, into renewables where, especially when you start to get into solar and storage, things are being developed for the first time. So it's a it's a mentality change. Also just the nature of the energy production um, in renewables. We we're operating when we can, when our resource is available or you know best usable. So that's a mentality switch too. You know, you don't just turn on the wind um, that's desirable at the time that you need it. And there's a little more 
um, it's a little less scheduled or it's a little less planned and there's some more flexibility needed in the renewable industry. Yeah, definitely. Um, especially over the past several years, right? I mean, you've probably seen it where things are starting to mature and it's been, been awesome to see, but definitely a, a ways to go. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your current role and, and like, what does a day in the life of a senior blade engineer look like? You're kind of establishing that as we go. <laughs> so I think I can speak for most wind blade engineers when I say that there's not really a hard and fast job definition. Um, I don't think anyone, well, it's less common in the U.S. where we're a younger industry for, you know, kids to go into college imagining this job, right? So it's kind of something you find uh, when you're already in the workforce. Mm -hmm. So Windblade Engineer at NG kind of means that we are, we're starting to understand what blades require to be maintained, to be operated efficiently throughout the lifetime. And so NG's had a need to bring in a position to focus on not only just blade operation and maintenance, but kind of building up our in-house knowledge about wind blades, um, building up processes and procedures and all that sort of thing, and kind of understanding how to utilize our dollars in the best way. So that's a big responsibility for me. Um, I organize technology programs such as new technology pilots. I also do the the review of all the inspection results that comes through, trying to decide what we take action on and what we don't. Um, but I do work with my team of operations engineers, the site managers, the asset managers, like the whole organization that exists um, in the U.S. And I do support U.S. and Canada, actually, North America. And where, where are you based out of? I'm based out of Wisconsin, um, nice. but our headquarters is Houston. What are some of the other big challenges that you and your your team kind of see on a on a day to day basis? Um, from a more basic standpoint, and this is kind of operations in general. You've given me a soapbox, guys. So now you're yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is a little bit surprising and difficult to to find how many people still, and this is within my company, past companies, external, just generally, um, how people still ask what the purpose of an operations group is or why it's necessary. Um, I get the question a lot of, well, what else is there to do? We've, you know, we've built the site, the hard work is done. <laughs> um, what maintenance is needed beyond that? And, um, you know, that question is, why do you exist, right? What's the yeah, point? Yeah. <laughs> So that's a little bit tough for me because, you know, there's an entire industry, many companies focused on O&M services. I don't really know how to answer what is the point of us, but um, the best I can do is, you know, nothing, nothing works without maintenance, not, not your car, not your home, like not you, <laughs> you and I need upkeep to perform optimally. So it's the same way there's, you know, people ask why does O&M take so much headcount, you know, budget, time, all of that. So 
that explanation, that education becomes kind of a big part of our job. Uh, we're maintaining a power plant here. There's there's always something to do, always damage to repair, upkeep, serial defects that change over time, you know, weather events to handle and, and adapt to. So there's quite a lot of work to do. And uh, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. Every industry, everything needs maintenance. And and with that, you were talking about earlier about how like part of your job is making the decisions with the inputs that you have from inspections and, and everything else about taking your budget and how to apply that. I mean, that's that's big, right? Like taking whatever budget you have and then deciding what to do with that. How do you make those decisions? How do you take all of the pieces of input that you have and and make those decisions? Yeah, an important thing there is that if the need for O&M is not understood, then those costs are not factored in, right? When you when you choose an initial technology. So the cost to realistically operate and maintain something has to be considered alongside the benefits of whatever new technology that we're we're trying to implement. So, you know, we've got a plan for downtime for imperfect availability and AEP. So that's a that's a tough discussion. Um, I would say NG's doing a pretty good job with that. And um it's just more like explaining outside of my group, you know, what we do every day. (laughs) But yeah, so how I make those choices, um, well, we have to work very closely with the sites and we have to understand their portfolio, their their financial situation, their um, technology that's present at that site, the number of people available to like the manpower at that site. Um, many, many considerations, climate, um, the OEM that's used, the relationships that they have with that OEM, and and many more. And we're trying to kind of prioritize what needs the most immediate action and address those damages first, rather than being able to repair everything. Um, with wind blades, you're just out in the open 24-7 exposed to natural elements, there's no way to repair everything all the time. So once that's understood, it becomes a little easier uh, to communicate um, what we're doing and why. But yeah, it's a lot of pressure to uh, be the the person that's choosing. So to try to mitigate that, I try to get the site's involvement as much as possible or or fellow teammates. And we do our best. Yeah, that is such like an important, I think, just theme across across the industry, right? Where um, it it it's true objectively, there has to be more more maintenance that's that's done on these these assets, and those costs were not factored in. Like both of those two things are are, are facts, and we as an industry are trying to figure out how to how to square that away, right? And I think it is doing the things that that you're you're talking about and being as efficient you, as you can and making the best decision every, every single time. But there's definitely, obviously we would all like to see um, the whole industry shift because there's, I mean, we see it too every day that there's just still not enough, enough being done. Yeah. The conversations that we have at conferences, um, various technical forums, all of that is really helpful to kind of check 
what I'm doing against what others are doing and making sure that we're all kind of operating with the same goals um, and the same uh, efficiency, I guess you could say. And even just, we're just constantly using whatever data we gathered in one year to inform the next years. And so the plans change and, and maybe the decisions change as we get more information, but it is a cyclical ongoing process. I, I guess kind of on that, um, I'm, I'm curious, like what, um, what has like the collaboration been like for you and maybe other industry peers outside of NG? Cause you also said earlier, right. There's just not that many blade engineers in, in the world. And it is cool to see, you all like come come together and, and share best practices and really help move the industry forward. But can you maybe speak to like, are you involved in certain groups or um, are you kind of collaborating on some sort of regular cadence with some other industry peers? I personally, I'm not in uh, any formal organizations yet. I haven't uh, made the time to be honest since, since starting at this job at NG. Um, but I know my colleague uh, Nicola Kievi in Belgium is heavily involved with the Blidina group, uh, WTO, I believe, and some other groups that, you know, he's he's in forums and conferences and working on standards. And so I'll be starting to get more involved with that as well in the future. For the most part, I have been using the conferences that we have domestically. We did the SkySpecs forum last year. Um, I also went to Sandia. There's a few others earlier in this year as well that, you know, we can all just talk in a more informal way. And that is really productive uh, just to have conversations with with fellow Blade engineers. It's a pretty good group. People are friendly. People are open. We're all kind of trying to grow the industry together. So I think it's a very positive group. I, I, I really, I mean, that was such an incredible of, event too, but it was so cool just have everyone talk about like a, a common goal. And I mean, these are like multi-million dollar machines and very expensive assets. And there's um, really helping the whole industry scale and getting more talent to, to think about wind turbine blades. It's something that we, we talk a lot about and it was really cool to kind of see that, see that group all kind of brainstorm and really help for, for the greater good. So yeah, you guys are all doing incredible work and those, those shows are also super fun. Yeah. This is an industry that people take personally, right? Renewable energy. So mm -hmm. that's, it kind of helps with having everybody collaborate and cooperate and, and share information. Uh, we all care about it from a, from a conceptual standpoint, you know? Yeah. yeah. No question. So, um, on that, so, uh, what is like the most, uh, sometimes Sarah and I do this, we kind of go, go back. And I know <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, who's next? <laughs> um, so, uh, what, what has it been like, um, for, for you guys? So is NG like a multi OEM fleet that you're, you're managing with, with different, uh, different OEMs and man, you met, you mentioned the, the, the FSAs too, but you can, can you, can you kind of speak to what that's like kind of interacting with different suppliers and uh, what that looks like? Yeah. So NG, um, works with, I think every major OEM at this point, we have a little bit of everything and there's definitely, you know, pros and cons to that. You have a nice diversified fleet. However, 
there's a lot of different ways of working to kind of navigate and figure out between the companies. Uh, it's been interesting for me. Selfishly, I get to learn a lot about many types of blades um, and turbines and commercial interactions, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. But um, it really helps when we have straightforward communication from the OEM and some do better with this than others. So some are really good about, you know, hey, heads up, there's this serial defect that we've been made aware of or, you know, letting us know of things to plan for in advance. And that is really critical to help us, you know, plan our spend for the year. We, you know, we have financial stake in this site too. And it's it's good to just be aware and avoid surprises. Um, others, it's a little more of a struggle, but you know, it just depends on on each company. Are there any lessons learned from working with any OEMs? And you don't have to name anybody specifically that you would um, like to see kind of being translated across the industry that would be really helpful to to you as an organization. Well, I think um, I think that a major lesson learned is to for us to take a little more ownership of our data, um, not to compete with or replace the OEM in any way. We can't do that, right? That's not the goal. But for us to have our own records of our own assets and our own information established um, within our organization so that it's easily accessible and in case of any changes in OEMs, structures or changes commercially in the future, we still have that information in-house. So that's something that we're working on um, at NG, just just gathering our own information. Yeah. Hope you guys kind of own your own destiny. Exactly. So you talked a little bit about like you working across your organization with some of your other blade engineers and how you guys deal with a lot of different things. What are some of the, the biggest challenges that that you you all or you and your team deal with day in and day out? Um, we are growing quickly. We are we have a wide variety, as I said, of OEMs and turbines around the globe um, beyond just me as well. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of kind of teams growing at the same time and and processes being put in place at the same time. So I find it really helpful to, from the get-go, have clear delineation of responsibilities, clear communication paths, you know, this, this uh, teamwork aspect of you do this and I'll do this and we'll pass the ball in order to make the goal. Um, that's really important to me because, you know, I, as one person, I can't do everything. And that's true of all the other teams and all the other countries and whatever else. So that's that's a major focus as well, just using whatever tools we can to to track and monitor and and um, have clear workflows throughout the business. So we are using uh, the SkySpec Horizon <laughs> tool, especially that work order management system has been really helpful. In, in communicating what we are doing across teams. Are there, are there any other kind of, you mentioned some of the stuff that, that you guys are doing as, as you scale, but kind of like big, big opportunities or things that you're going to tackle kind of like big rocks now that you've 
maybe starting to kind of take control of data a little bit more on the blade side and get a good idea of where you where you stand. What are kind of the the key priorities now? Kind of once you once you have that baseline. The key priority for me, and I, you know, these are my opinions. These are not (laughs) (laughs) the opinions of my company. Um, For me, it's important to get ahead of our unplanned spend. Uh, There's a lot of surprises maybe at the end of the year or maybe some, some invoices that come through that are totally different than what's expected. And that becomes tough to you know, everyone has to ask for money from someone else. That chain just keeps going and going and going. A lot of people think as the owner operator, we we can spend whatever we want. And that's not true. So trying to get ahead of expecting what our costs are going to be and then kind of just fulfilling them at the end of the year rather than scrambling for, you know, double the cost than we expected or something like that. That's a big, that's a big uh, push with the data that we have coming in to kind of use that and just plan, plan more proactively each year. And and what about um, you? We, we talked a little bit about like data management and, and technology a little bit, but um, are there any like maybe technology holes in the industry that you uh, see, or maybe even just some, some new stuff that you see out there that would really make, make your job or others a lot, a lot easier. And that could be anything, whether that's some sort of, robotics or, or or could be software too, but curious uh, your perspective on maybe technology holes and then also opportunities. Yeah. So, so two things there. Um, so the technology holes, one thing for me is just connectivity between all these portals, all these tools, all these websites, that would be a major selling point. I think you guys have heard this feedback over and over. Um, well, even just within all the business and accounting tools we use, you know, work orders, not just for the blade side of the business, but the rest of the business. And you just end up with a login for everything. And it's very difficult to get a fleet wide picture of our turbines when you have information in so many different locations. And, and then even beyond blades and wind, it's very rare in my experience that an owner operator has only one type of, um, technology. So there's the solar, there's storage, there's whatever else each company is is getting into. So you add all their websites, all their portals, their tools. It's it's tough whenever I bring a new resource to the table that I'm excited about. You know, in my blades world, sometimes it's hard to get adoption in my company because of this login fatigue, I guess, I guess you could say people are, you know, excited about the tool, but it's one more place to go track some information. You need like a a password manager. It's like your banks. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, every new tech that comes out, they've got their own website. So we've got to try and combine those or consolidate those or something, some more Mm -hmm. automated tie-ins between these web tools would be amazing. Um, so the the other thing you said, the new technology, it's kind of along that lines, but um, well, we're getting really excited about rovers at NG. Those, those rovers are RC cars, uh, crawlers, I guess you could say, that go inside of a blade and take pictures to, to do an internal blade inspection. And they're very cool and they're very useful. You get a lot of clarity um, 
but it's another website and another portal. So, <laughs> so that's, that's a separate issue, I guess. Um, but we're getting excited about technology that allows us to understand our asset health better. Mm -hmm. Right. And take the guesswork out of it. Just really know what's going on with our blades. Yeah, so it's kind of even you mentioned mentioned the rover, but I'm assuming that could also be a different type of technology as long as you're kind of getting the information that that you need um, of what's what's going on. Yeah. yeah, there's many many inspection methods out there. It's more of a question of what's cost effective and you know what results are mm -hmm. actionable. Um, so there's a lot of groups working on on doing that, making the results more actionable or finding new ways to, to monitor damage growth over time. I think we're all trying to learn how fast certain damages progress or how serious something is when you find it. it Cause that's a whole other question, right? We've gathered all this data. We have thousands of photos. What's the most important to focus on? I don't even always get through reviewing all the photos, much less taking action on them in real time. So. All the help that we yeah. can get, we will take. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's ho it's so hard to even know what's going on right now and then to be able to make decisions on what to take action on. It's just a, a, a whole nother level. And then that leads into my next question. So like, that's right now, right? This is the technology that would help you right now. But then thinking, thinking like five years from now, which is really, really hard, right? <laughs> thinking, thinking now. What do you what do you think are are some of the other big challenges that that face us in the future in the next three to five years? What do you see coming? Um, a challenge that's close to home is unscheduled downtime. That's a major challenge for us um, as owner operators because so in conferences you hear about you know, the pace of the industry is so fast and one of the topics that come up is large uh, blades, issues that are found with longer and longer wind blades. So as blades become longer, you have risk of more damage, more lightning, more erosion, transportation and construction becomes difficult. Uh, test fixtures are not always large enough and manufacturing methods need to catch up. There's quite a lot of other aspects that are kind of catching up to the to the design of the large wind blades. Um, minds brighter than me can talk about that, but we're in this painful transition place where those, those supporting systems haven't quite caught up. And the result of that is more manufacturing defects, more handling damages during transportation, um, more, more issues that need inspection and repair, more data, more tasks to do. So and then on top of that, it's a very highly weather dependent industry, right? So there's only a couple months of the year that we can remedy all these issues. So a result that hurts us is the unscheduled downtime of all these effects, I guess. Um, so there's so much innovation going on, but if we're increasing, uh, if the downtime of our sites is just constantly increasing, that's going to be a major challenge. But I do think it will balance out, you know, in a in a few years. It just takes time. But in the meantime, we are busy. 
kind of building on this is basically just like a different way, like a, another way of, of asking that, but like, if you were to wave a wave a wand and in five years, things were working really great. And maybe even using some of the stuff that you saw in oil and gas, like what, what could this industry look like in terms of, is it just, just more standardization and better practices among, among suppliers? I mean, I'm sure obviously, which is as industries mature, those, those things will, will happen, but I'm curious if there's anything else that you'd kind of add to that or what you think might happen? I don't know. (laughs) I I think it's tough because we are, you know, we have the IRA and we have all these other motivators to keep going very fast. And so I kind of think we won't resolve some of these issues in the short term. We'll kind of expand on them or they might become more exacerbated. And then I guess the solution would be to, to choose some smaller turbines as at our sites, but I don't think people are going to do that either. So, um, yeah, it it will require the manufacturing and you know the the transportation industries to kind of catch up in a in a quick pace as well. I think, but I don't know. I don't know how it's going to go. Yeah. <laughs> it is, I mean, you make a really good point, right? Especially in this industry where there is. There's a lot of lot of capital and exciting stuff happening, and things are about grow, grow, develop, develop, and it's and then some stuff gets neglected, right? Where even in budgets, they're not maintaining things, and maybe that means they'll be more repowering than, than expected. And who knows? It is it is a really interesting challenge that we we face as an industry. Yeah, there's a lot of you know different entities working on the multi-piece blades that they can be easier to transport but then what does that look like through the life of the site you know how robust are those designs we'll have to see Mm -hmm. as we get some more years on those turbines um there's there's a lot of innovation that's going on from different pockets and as an owner operator we we're kind of watching it play out a little bit as it works its way through the design phases and the test phases and you know, manufacturing kind of gets to us in the field. So there's a lot of exciting things to try, but uh, yeah, that's, that'll be interesting. There's a lot of growth in this industry and that's why I wanted to get back into it. Awesome. And I, I, I should know this, but you're like North American fleet. Is it a pretty, very young fleet too, or is it diverse in age as, as well? Uh, so our Canada fleet's a little older, um, maybe anywhere from 10 to 20 years of life. So more mature. And then our U S fleet is quite young. So under three years, I think for the most part. So a lot of sites coming off of warranties, um, a lot of, a lot of operating for the first time on our own or, or at least having to do more, I guess, for those sites, the warranties cover quite a lot. The FSAs cover a lot, but a lot of times force majeure. So weather related um, that's, that's an insurance term, right? So unforeseen circumstances and whatever else that means, those damages are not covered. Sometimes handling damages are not covered. Um, some FSAs even don't cover wear and tear. So that kind of covers everything to do with the wind blade besides a serial defect or something like that, that can be clearly pinpointed back to an OEM. So we have a lot of, a lot of sites that are, um, kind of spinning up at the same time in the U.S. and it's exciting. So you get to see it all. So we have um, one more question, unless Josh, you want to ask anything else before I ask our final question? No, 
right. Go for it. All right. Is there anything you wish we would have asked you or anything you think is really important for our listeners to kind of understand about the, the work that you're doing? Hmm. You guys asked a lot of good questions. I probably <laughs> <laughs> answered them in, in way too much detail. So let me think. Um, we really stress the importance of proactive communication when there's something going on that we just need to be aware of or um, yeah, just having better of a handle on our own data. It kind of feeds into that as well. We're trying to spread information throughout our organization to keep people safe. Yeah, with drones, with rovers, it kind of helps helps use the um, our people in the right places, in the safest places. And we really heavily rely on that human eye and that analysis that our human brains do and the experience that people have when they're in person um, on blades. But then, you know, for inspections, for kind of routine type tasks, we want to try and and take the human element out of it to kind of try and keep people safe. But well, thank you again. It was really great to just hear your perspective and and have you on today. So thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Thank you for having yeah. me. Thank you for, uh, for getting our perspective. It's nice to kind of be involved in these conversations and yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, this is, this is a blast and we're so excited to have you again at, at the forum next year. And um, yeah, you guys have been a, been a, been a great, great partner and yeah, we're excited to to continue to, to work together and also put this out in the world. This was, this was a lot of fun. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Climate Chronicles brought to you by SkySpecs. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please subscribe to our podcast so you can be the first to know when we release the latest episodes. If you really liked it, make sure to give us a five-star review. See you next time.